Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Well, first of all, I strongly support and wish and hope that the United States will support the United Nations resolution that was vetoed, that we vetoed the other day. That was a humanitarian pause, a humanitarian ceasefire that would have, by the way, called for the release of all of the hostages held by Hamas and would have allowed the UN and other agencies to begin to supply the enormous amount of humanitarian aid that mm -hmm. the Palestinian people. In terms of a permanent ceasefire, I don't know how you could have a permanent ceasefire with Hamas, who has said before October 7th and after October 7th that they want to destroy Israel. They want a permanent war. I don't know how you have a permanent ceasefire. This is the problem with people like Senator Bernie Sanders. They don't actually understand how the real world works. And if you're going to rely on the United Nations... Well, the United Nations wants to do X, Y, or Z. The United Nations is very clear. Utilizing some very arcane rules, including something called Article 99, to push for a ceasefire. I don't think it's been used since the 40s. No, I take that back. Could have been used since the 40s. Since the 50s. It states that the Secretary General may bring into the attention of the Security Council any matter which, in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. So the issue, of course, to the Secretary General, as we've seen, is Israel, not Hamas. But if Bernie Sanders doesn't understand that the Secretary General doesn't want Israel to exist, then that's obvious. If he doesn't understand that one cannot give pauses because the pauses allow Hamas to rearm, well, then Bernie Sanders doesn't understand the rules of warfare, which is clear because he doesn't understand the rules of warfare. And clearly the cold has gotten to my head because it was last used in 1971. Man, did I get the date wrong. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. I knew it was, I, it was 50 years ago. Is that why I said 1950s? Hmm. Yeah, that was bad on my part. I apologize. What I do know is that you have Hamas, uh, quote-unquote, soldiers, punk-ass terrorist losers, surrendering all over the place the photos of them stripped down to their underwear surrendering and laying their arms down now this is not the totality of the force and as a matter of fact i consider the surrendering a massive problem because now you have to do something with these people and now you're actually creating more opportunity for more israeli or other hostages to be taken to be able to work out deals, it's, it's, it creates an issue. But if Hamas can be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And do not take off the pressure. We're all better off, all of us, right here in Indiana. Uh, and pick, pick, your, uh, pick your state. All better off if Hamas is destroyed. 
And it's important to note that guys like Bernie Sanders could never actually win a war. They don't understand the enemy. They don't understand their purpose. The purpose of an army is to win with it when needed. Bernie's not a guy who believes in winning. I think this much is very easy to see. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The president of the University of Pennsylvania has resigned. She will stay on as a professor of the law school. The chairman of the board has also walked away. And you'll still have some people saying that this is just a gross, gross event. Not because of what they said, but because it's chilling for free speech. I reject that premise, but I appreciate the concern probably sets me apart from some of my contemporaries. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. McGill is her name, Elizabeth McGill, resigning because of the backlash. Because when she was asked, does calling for the genocide of Jews uh, meet the UPenn requirements of harassment? And she said it depends on the context, just like they all did. Well, uh, I I would consider it wrong. Is it allowed on your campus? Now, when the free speech conversation comes into play, and I don't mind that it comes into play, it would be one thing if we said that one could have a conversation about whether Hamas is right or wrong. And, of course, they're wrong. It should be a short conversation. But I'm in favor of bad ideas being talked about in, in uh, the, the town square, being brought up in the, in the sphere of conversation, so they could be shown exactly how bad of a topic it is. Hamas is a terrorist organization. They have no claim uh, to, to, to the land. They have no right to go about murdering uh, Israelis and others. They have no right to rape women. They have no right to burn babies alive. And they have to be destroyed in order for there to be any peace whatsoever. So if the conversation comes up, I believe that's how the conversation should be handled. That's a different concept than mobs walking around the campus screaming for genocide and trying to intimidate the Jews on that campus. These are different things. There is no other situation one could think of where the campus would allow this. If the KKK were having rallies on the University of Pennsylvania campus, the campus would be in uproar. Well, what is the difference between the people who want to get rid of anybody who isn't white and they want to get rid of everybody who's a Jew? What's the difference? Now let's leave it to them to try and make the argument 
for not why both things should be allowed to occur, which would be interesting, because we've already seen that they don't allow both things to occur. You couldn't have that KKK rally, and I understand why. But you're not allowed to use the wrong pronoun. On the Harvard campus, it is a mandated training that lets the students and, and, and others know that utilizing the wrong pronoun could be seen as violence. You can call for genocide, but I can't say he when you clearly have an Adam's apple. Well, that's a take. I mean, I mean, in a world of takes, that's a take. It's that these universities have already gone down the road of saying we don't allow this speech, that speech, the other speech. I believe there were 278 campuses that were polled about free speech and or it was 248, 248 campuses. And, uh, you know, who, who really favors free speech? Harvard came in 248th. University of Pennsylvania, 247th. They don't believe in free speech at all. They don't believe in it. Understand that none of the people who support DEI, none of the people who practice DEI, whether it be your local high school, whether it be your college, whether it be the state of Indiana that has a a DEI department, none of them believe in free speech. Zero. The claimed objective is not the reality. We've now seen enough of what the reality is, and the reality is pretty awful. It is to stop speech from happening. Now, if you said to me, Tony, we're going to allow people on a college campus to scream for the death of black people, I wouldn't want that. And I could understand a campus saying, yeah, we're not going to allow that. We don't allow you to go after a group of people and scream for their death. That's nuts. It's exactly what was allowed and, yes, defended by Claudine Gay of of, uh, Harvard, who's the president there, by Sally Kornbluth, the president of MIT, and by Elizabeth McGill, the president of the University of Pennsylvania. They, at least uh, in the cases of uh, Harvard and University of Pennsylvania, they apologize. They've amended their words. It was wrong to say this. I should have said that. So when people say, in trying to defend these presidents, that they didn't do anything wrong, they've already admitted they've done something wrong. The problem is their admission is so weak and so flimsy. What they're saying is, all right, I'm told that this is the way one handles crisis PR to get out of the problem. It cost McGill her job. Will it cost Claudine Gay her job? Now, that's the one to watch. Will it cost the Harvard president her job? You'll note, uh, if you, you didn't get to hear the show on, on Friday. I spoke with William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection. You can find it over at TonyKatz.com. And we talked about this issue with the presidents, and he noted um, uh, William Jacobson is a law professor at Cornell. Oh, man, he's like, he's like, look, I'm a tenured professor. They can't throw me out. And I'm fighting the fight, but these people are nuts. These people at Cornell are just as horrific as everywhere else. And, and, and that, is, that is correct. That is absolutely uh, correct. Uh, if you follow me on, on the Twitter, you'll see 
uh, the point that, that, that's being made. But I talked to, to William Jacobson, and he said the thing that really struck him about the um, congressional hearing with these three presidents is how unimpressive they were. They were unimpressive. And that is an interesting commentary because it is now being discussed. It was discussed by this billionaire uh, who, who donates uh, to Harvard, uh, Bill Ackman, that Claudine Gay, who was a black woman, was a DEI hire. I said, as clear as day, I have absolutely no idea if that's true. But they started going through her her CV, her curriculum veritae, right? Or what it is that she's actually done and accomplished to be able to be the president of Harvard. And you realize quickly that in a world where people publish constantly, people are engaged in pursuit of their craft constantly, she barely publishes at all. She has barely published at all. And now there's a conversation being brought forth by Christopher Rufo because you knew that the investigations would come. That she, in some of her previous sightings, was cribbing Carol Swain. And you're like, Tony, I'm lost. Who in the world is Carol Swain? Well, she's a political scientist. She uh, is at, I think, Vanderbilt. She is a black woman, and she's on the political right. So there's a question of whether or not Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, was properly citing sources and utilizing sources, or was she just stealing from sources? I still don't think Harvard's going to get rid of her. But there's a story here that this has now unfurled. And you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Down in Argentina, Javier Malay has been sworn in as the new president. According to one source, they had 21 departments there in their government, in the Argentinian government. He's reduced that to nine. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning, he has warned uh, there's going to be an economic shock. This is there. Things are going to change. And there are things that are going to be painful. The nation's economic emergency trying to prepare the public for a shock adjustment with drastic public spending cuts. Now, if you don't change the, the, the style of government, if you don't change the style of economy, well, then you create more issues. But this is the part that, that for, for Americans, if we want to actually get spending under control, cuts have to happen. And these programs and projects and other things, and even if, if you like them, sorry, if you want to engage them with private charity, feel free, but there's not money for that stuff when you've got a debt structure the way we do. And yes, warning people that this is going to be very, very rough. People don't want very rough. They want to know that they're going to get theirs. And then, of course, you add in the Marxism. Uh, you, you owe them theirs. Let's see how that works. So 
We'll we'll see. We'll see whether this is a guy who will live up to the uh, firebrand moniker, or he'll he'll try something. He'll get some pushback. And be like, okay, all right, well, good effort, good effort. We'll see. We will see. Uh, this Saturday, three p.m. Premier Arms in Brownsburg. I will be there with Eat, Drink, Smoke. We'll be live. Fingers Malloy will be next to me. Uh, there will be incredible deals throughout Premier Arms and PA Jewelers. And Hotel Tango will be there. And we are going to be doing some bourbon tastings. I think it's all set. I mean, there were some questions about some final paperwork, but I, I, think, it's, I think that's all uh, covered. So here's what's going on. You come, there, there's not a ticket. We're just doing the thing, right? We will have some some uh, some like uh, raffle stuff and some uh, silent auction stuff. While we're there, if you buy any jewelry at, at PA Jewelers, 10% is going to go. Uh, the guys over at, um, at Hotel Tango, uh, they do work with uh, HVAF, which is uh, helping veterans. So providing temporary housing, helping with employment, uh, food, and, and things uh, like that. So 10% of whatever you get from PA Jewelers is going to go help them. And we'll, we'll see what other what else we could do. We can leave out some, you know, donation boxes and let people just give. But we're going to drink some bourbon. We're going to talk bourbon. We're going to smoke cigars. Hopefully I'm feeling better to finally have a cigar. Uh, and, uh, and then we're going to just, you know, enjoy each other. Get ready for the holidays. Feel good. I mean, Hanukkah's in, in full swing. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've been loving it. Um, but we're going to get ready for Christmas. Great way to do it. Saturday, December 16th, uh, 3 to 5, maybe 3 to 6 p.m. You never know. Uh, we're going to be alive with Eat, Drink, Smoke. There'll be copies of Let's Go Barbecue and Let's Go Bourbon uh, available. Uh, so you can get your, your, your book for the holidays. And a portion uh, of that will also get donated out. And it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be absolutely terrific. So I will see you Saturday at uh, 3 p.m. there at Premier Arms in Brownsburg. Hotel Tango Distillery will be there. You'll be able to try the bourbon. Talk to Travis Barnes, the owner. Get his story. We're going to talk to him on air. We're going to do the whole thing. We're going to uh, send some money to HVAF, HVAF of Indiana.org, and uh, and then go from there. It's going to be a good time. I will see you Saturday, people. That's the plan and the whole plan and nothing but the plan. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. Will we see funding for Ukraine? I mean, right now, the Republican Party is still at a no on this. And yes, the fear-mongering continues. I happen to be one of the people who thinks that the money is better than the people. And uh, disrupting Putin, stopping Putin, is a fine idea. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. Being called a warmonger, always uh, uh, adorable, um, you know, when, when uh, people want to respond to that position. This isn't about whether or not Ukraine is a solid country or Vladimir Zelensky is a solid leader. Zelensky didn't leave when he could have. He stayed for the fight, and it did move a lot of people. 
His fundraising efforts since then have been disgusting and deplorable. The, the photo sessions and other things, ridiculous. And there is a question of, well, exactly how much money and where is it going? If you ask if I will pay for bullets and tanks, I'll pay for bullets and tanks. If you ask if I will pay for anybody in Ukraine's retirement fund, the answer is no. I'm not paying for anybody's retirement fund in Ukraine while they're still a homeless veteran in the United States. I think that's a rational position. Tony Katz, as I said, find everything at TonyKatz.com. But the argument continues about funding. Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio on with CNN to answer the question about how this gets solved. Dick, I think it's possible to have separate debates. In fact, congressional Republicans tried to force an Israel alone aid package just a couple of weeks ago that Democrats blocked in the Senate. Uh, so we can't have separate debates. I think that we need to have separate debates. But on the Ukraine question in particular, Everybody knows, everybody with a brain in their head, Jake, knows that this was always going to end in negotiation. The idea that Ukraine was going to throw Russia back to the 1991 borders was preposterous. Nobody actually believed it. So what we're saying to the president and really to the entire world is you need to articulate what the ambition is. What is $61 billion going to accomplish that $100 billion hasn't? We have to remember, Jake, Ukraine is functionally destroyed as a country. The average age of a soldier in the Ukrainian army right now is 43. That's tragic. That's older than me. I'm 39. If this thing goes on a little bit longer, the average age of a Ukrainian soldier is going to be older than you. And then a year later, it could be uh, Wolf Blitzer. That is a tragedy. What does it look like? I don't like this age graph. I'm, so, I'm sorry, go, Jake. Go, go. But, I'm 54 but, but, for those wondering. I, 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 yeah. We are getting to a place yeah. where we are going to be functionally on the hook to pay for Ukrainian pensioners, to rebuild the entire country. We need to bring the killing to a stop. And that's what American leadership should be doing, not writing more blank checks to the war. That is an interesting take. What is our investment? Exactly what is it that we are covering? And is there an answer that involves... Well, Ukraine's going to have to give up something. We've had this conversation with uh, Major Mike Lyons, retired United States uh, Army, uh, where in the end, you may have to give up something. You don't want to give up anything I could appreciate. But what if you do? Is this the answer? You take these areas of Donetsk and Luhansk, which is the southeastern part of, of Ukraine, known as the Donbass, these areas that are already ethnically Russian. Do you say, look, take this, take this part of it, goodbye. Is that enough? Does that satisfy? Well, if you listen to Vladimir Putin, it doesn't satisfy. And you might then have him going to try and do this a decade from now. But if you don't try and stop him, he will try and do this with other nations because, well, this is this works. There's an effectiveness here. But remember, when he tries it with Poland, that will, of course, activate United States uh, to be involved because we are a NATO ally. And Article five says an attack on one is an attack on all. This doesn't just go away because we don't want to fund it. Or because some people say that this is the only uh, space where you could really prove you're conservative. 
I don't think any conservative value has been proven by not being supportive of Ukraine. I, I haven't seen it. But asking questions about, okay, we're putting our money in, what do we get? Where is the American interest actually served? Is there a moment where the interest isn't served? Is there a moment where we're putting money towards things that we should not be? That's legitimate. A legitimate argument. And I don't think that one should be taken away. But it's there is also a legitimate argument in supporting Ukraine and defeating Putin. And the people who say, well, you're just a globalist if you want to do that, that, that to me is, is, is nonsense. That's, that's a problem talking point. Discuss it out. But I'm not going to dismiss uh, the people who want Ukraine to be victorious. We're all better off if Ukraine is victorious. Period. Now, in the state of Indiana, there has been a ruling regarding who can get on the ballot. So you've got this guy, John Rust who I've met only once. He wants to run for Senate. He wants to run against uh, Jim Banks, who's the congressman from the Indiana 3rd, for the Republican nomination to Senate. But there are rules in the state of Indiana about the last two primaries you voted in having to be in the party that you want to run for. Well, that didn't happen in his case. He voted as a Republican in 2016, but he didn't vote. He voted as a Democrat in 2012, and he didn't vote in the 2020 primary because of the pandemic and lack of competitive Republican races in Jackson County. This according to a lawsuit. He's suing to say these rules keep me off the ballot and they're not right. And you could have the chairperson in Jackson County agree to allow me to run. All she has to do is sign something. She won't sign it. So there's been a lawsuit as there often is. And yes, uh, Rust won the, 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 the first round of this. So now you've got the Secretary of State, Diego Morales, appealing the ruling because the ruling said that voting requirements for a candidate's party affiliation is unconstitutional. Now, maybe. How tough should being on the ballot be? Well, if you want to make it tough because you want to keep your party, you want to keep more control of your party, that's one thing. That doesn't mean that's what's the best for the citizen. If you want to get on the ballot, you should be able to get on a ballot. No? It's a worthy discussion. We'll, cut, we'll get into it a little bit later.